0: Do you remember back in the Western Conference Finals when Michael Malone essentially called out the big market bias among the NBA media? Well, here in this grand return of full court press, six months in the waiting, I'm here to tell you today that it is not only prevalent in the NBA, where we saw the Lakers getting love over the Nuggets, even though they were down 3 nothing. Same thing happened in the East with Miami and Boston. It is not just an NBA problem. This problem is rampant throughout all professional sports and we're seeing that in Major League Baseball now. With all the love the Yankees and Dodgers get, the bravado of MLB, enough. Enough. And I'm going to tell you why right now. Neither the Yankees nor the Dodgers are any threat to win the World Series this year. Yet the media still talks about them like they are. We've seen what the Yankees are like without Aaron Judge. He cannot stay healthy. He isn't healthy right now. And as far as I'm aware, he's not going to be healthy until after the All-Star break. And that's for the Dodgers, <laughs> have you seen that mess of a bullpen? Their worst pitching ERA since they were in Brooklyn. And yet here we are still hearing about them night in and night out. That's not okay. Show some love to the Texas Rangers and their dynamic offense. The young Arizona Diamondbacks with their stud, Corbin Carroll. Luis Rise is somehow hitting 400 for the Marlins, and that's being swept under the rug too. The Baltimore Orioles. Coming up again, taking a huge step. And then of course the red hot Cincinnati Reds. Adam Aben, the funnest team in baseball right now, bar
1: none. Yeah, you know, I I mean I can't speak to to the to the MLB as much as you can, Liam, but uh, you know, the Reds, you know, I've been seeing it all over social media. They're on a on a roll right now. Uh, going on some long win streaks and just giving it their all you know I'm here in South Florida and near Miami I'm a Marlins fan loosely I use that term loosely Marlins fan uh, with air quotes Uh, but you know the Marlins have had one of their best starts and you know they're in the history of their program and uh, you know it's been a, a fun MLB season to start checking in on for kind of the first time as I get older really the Marlins are good I'm paying attention and the Reds and some other teams are really starting to get hot. So it's been fun as, as, you know, basketball season came to an end.
0: And still somehow the team that the Reds won miraculously against last night in the Atlanta Braves, they're playing some of the best baseball right now. And they have been for the past five, six years. And it still feels like they don't get the national attention that they deserve. They have the best front office in baseball. They won a world series just two years ago and beat the cheating Astros to do it. How is, this, how is this happening? And, you know, like we talked about earlier, it is a problem across all of professional sports right now because we're still talking about how the Lakers are going to recover from being swept rather than the Nuggets won the championship. What's their title defense going to look like? Can they lock up Bruce Brown? And that serves as the perfect segue into what has been really a crazy week when it comes to NBA transactions. We begin with probably the best player of the bunch to be moved, that being Bradley Beal. The longtime Wizard shooting guard was shipped out to Phoenix last weekend for a multitude of picks, multiple players as well. Adam, first talk about it from the Heath perspective, a team that was in the mix for Beal, a team that has been, quote-unquote, in need of a second star. Though I'd argue they don't need a second star because they have such good chemistry. Like, what's it – from your
1: point of view, how disappointed are you to be missing out on him? You know, I think right from when Damian Lillard, I know I'm jumping the gun here a little bit, but right when Damian Lillard kind of said, you know, during the NBA Finals said, oh, Miami's a clear destination. Everyone's minds went there. And then literally a week after the Finals ends, obviously we didn't, as a Heat fan, <laughs> the Finals did not go as well as planned <laughs> or as long as we thought it would have. Um, but, you know, it, our minds went straight to Damian Lillard, and then a week after, uh, you know, free agency starts officially, the offseason starts, and Bradley Beal says, yeah, I want out of Washington for the first real time, and this who, is a player. Who wouldn't
0: who would, who would I, exactly, right yeah. now?
1: <laughs> but this is a player who has been, you know, attached to Miami. I, I feel like every player is kind of attached to Miami, you know, at some point or another in their career when they decide to be a free agent. Or there's a possibility of a trade. I mean, Let's it bash- is Miami. It's Miami. It's Sorry, Miami. Of, of course, but I'm I mean Bradley Beal specifically for the past three, four, five years. Every time there is any sort of sense of like he's the only player on the Wizards, he's going to ask out. He's going to request a trade. The first destination is Miami. So you know, from that standpoint, when Dame hadn't officially announced yet, oh, I want to trade. I think I'm 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 against the youth movement. I don't know what I want to do. As a Heat fan, you know, and and someone who, you know, just watched his team go to the NBA finals, I'm like, add on Bradley Beal. This is a, you know, you just made it to the finals as an eight seed. You guys are in win now mode. Now you bring on a guy who can average 30 in their sleep, who's going to just up the antics even more in Bradley Beal. And, uh, you know, I grew up a Gator fan. I watched Bradley Beal at UF. He is um, like just such a complete basketball player. He was back then. He's even better now, even though he's had a little bit of an injury history. But from the Heat standpoint, they were offering a trade without giving up Tyler Hero, Bubble Boy. I know how much you love Bubble Boy, LG. Uh, but but, uh, but, you know, they were offering up that trade uh, without Tyler Hero. And for me, that was like, if you can get Bradley Beal without giving up Tyler Hero, then that's and that you just did a great job because you're going to clear Duncan Robinson's contract you're going to clear uh you know Kyle Lowry's contract he only has a year left but it's almost 40 million dollars and then you bring on Bradley Beal for the next 4 years he's secured and you have this core of of a hero Bradley Beal Jimmy and Bam that can run the table with all these undrafted guys everyone talks about but the Heat system knows how to maximize their talents and I think they would have done the same with Bradley Beal even though he's already a solidified star And the Heat could have potentially been in the same place that they were this year, next year. Um, And so that was something that I was getting excited about, the possibility of him being there. That being said, this has kind of been a common theme with the Miami Heat. And I don't want to make this a whole Heat podcast. I apologize for rambling on. But one of the biggest problems that I've had with, you know, the front office in the last few years, obviously we have one of the greatest, you know, organizations and duos up in the front office right now and Andy Ellsberg and and Pat Riley uh, they've brought in plenty stars and done great work over the past 20 30 years that they've been there and obviously Eric Spolstra in the mix too Um, but they they shoot for the stars when they should be shooting for what's right in front of them they aim for they say oh we're not going to try as hard with Bradley Beal we're going to wait for Dame Now, if Dame never gets traded, or if he goes to a different team, then it's like, you wasted Bradley Beal. You wasted giving up more for that opportunity. They did the same thing a couple years ago, uh, last year. KD says, oh, I want to trade. But the whole offseason, right before Donovan Mitchell got traded to Cleveland, he was in Miami playing in the leagues down here with Bam. They were posting at dinner every night. He was posting on Instagram with Jimmy Butler. Donovan Mitchell was a guy that looked like he could fit down here in Miami. And instead of trying to make that happen... They say, no, we're going to go all in on, on KD. KD ends up going to Phoenix, and now you lost another chance. And obviously, they recovered nicely. They go on a run to the NBA Finals. But you're missing those key opportunities to just make the team better when in the long run, you know, you're waiting for something that might not even happen. And I'm worried that can happen with Damian Lillard, even though it does seem very clear to me that Dame will want out. Regardless, the Suns did a great job with that Bradley Beal trade. Uh, you know, I don't think they gave up the pieces they needed to give up. They didn't give up a first round pick. It's not like they had any, but, uh, you know, Bradley beyond Phoenix makes sense. They don't have any bench depth, uh, or at least not a very good one, but they clearly have the best front four in the league now with Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, KD and DeAndre.
0: Well, you touched on Miami quite a lot. So I'll take a look at it from Phoenix's side of things and to a lesser extent, the Wizards. When I look at Phoenix right now, you have that four that you mentioned, Beal, Booker, KD, Aiton. When healthy, that's really stinking tough to compete with. The when healthy is key there because for sure, Kevin Durant has been injury prone over his career. DeAndre Ayton hasn't always been reliable. Beal's gotten banged up over the years. The only guy we've seen truly stay healthy out of that four is Booker. And that brings me to my next point. That's four guys you have under contract right now. Your fifth being Cameron Payne. That's it. That's it. And unless I'm mistaken, Phoenix is already substantially over the luxury tax. So you're going to be filling up that bench with guys who either just got drafted were un- undrafted free agents or guys you're paying the mid-level exception that aren't exactly in their prime anymore. So that, to me, is alarming because... If Miami's run proved anything, if you have depth off the bench, that is huge. Caleb Martin coming off the bench against Boston and going crazy. Gabe Vincent plugging in the start plugging into the starting lineup when Kyle Lowry started to go to see his play diminish. When when Hero got hurt as well. The fact that the heat made that run with all those injuries is incredibly impressive.
1: It and has that, that next it has, gonna... that ne- it has that next man up mentality. Yeah, and when you that's... and when you When you have four guys on Phoenix who are, you know, at least the top three, Beal, KD, and Booker, who are very ball dominant, if one of those guys goes down, you don't have another guy who's been in the game enough to step up and consume that role that one of those stars have had, so. That's that's not gonna happen
0: in Phoenix because their depth is incredibly thin and it's very concerning too. So in terms of long-term threat to potentially win an NBA championship, you need every little thing to go right. I mean, when does an NBA champion not have every little thing go right and route to a title? This case, it's even more so because you are so thin on your bench. Who do you have other than campaign? Nobody. You also don't have a true point guard on your roster. Beal and Booker have been twos their entire career. Seeing them work in the starting lineup together is going to be interesting. KD... Could play point guard if you wanted to. Listed as a small forward, playing point guard only increases chances of getting hurt. Right. Campaign—he's a win. He's not a point guard. You don't have that floor general to lead the way. And as we saw, saw with Denver, an elite point guard like Jamal Murray goes a long way towards winning a title.
1: Definitely an elite point guard that can that can facilitate things and shoot the basketball. And I think when Chris Paul went out in the playoffs this year and Devin Booker kind of consume that point guard role even though campaign was with him in the starting lineup. Devin Booker, you know, was still going out, dropping 40 and playing at an elite level while trying to manage things, uh, you know, from the point guard position. And I think if I were to look at that lineup and let's say they bring in another wing or a uh or a you know another 610 guy to play power forward alongside KD, um you know, I think Devin Booker would probably be point there and him and Bradley Beal would just share that role and kind of do everything together in the backcourt. And, I mean, when you have two all-NBA, you know, NBA caliber, MVP, sorry, uh, caliber guys who, you know, can average 30 in their sleep, I mean, uh, I I don't know how much I could really complain about that, but, I mean, the lack of depth scares me for sure and the, you know, their defense scares me for sure. I
0: I think the ceiling of Phoenix just... Raised quite a bit, but the floor totally. just got a little bit lower because totally it still leaves a lot of unanswered questions. I outdoors. mean, they don't
1: have picks; they barely have no. picks till like twenty thirty one. So if they don't win a title from at, now until then, or at I will be in too. the last year of my
0: twenties when that comes around. <laughs> but but
1: but you know what I'm saying though, right? Yeah, like absolutely. If, if they if they never make a finals, at least Chris Paul the Suns made a finals granted it was one of the weirdest seasons in NBA history. The season started in December and all the teams that have been there since weren't there in the, you know, conference finals right. that year in 2021. But the Suns at least made it with Chris Paul. That team made it there with Monty Williams. Now you're you, you bringing Frank Vogel, Bradley Beal, KD. This is kind of a new era. And regardless of the other players you have on the sideline for that Phoenix team, if this starting four plus one more cannot lead that Suns team to a championship, this whole thing, in a championship appearance, this whole thing was a disappointment. I, and not worth it's it. Champ, it's championship robust. It's championship more not, robust. More, more than any other team in the league.
0: Bar none. Bar none. You mentioned Chris Paul. His next chapter finds him in Golden State, of all places. He was included in that Bradley Beal trade. But the Wizards said, no, we don't want you. Shipped him off to Golden State for a package, including Jordan Poole. So now things get really interesting in Golden State because the mantra of this offseason felt like, who is Golden State going to pick? Is it going to be Jordan Poole, a dynamic offensive threat who disappeared this past postseason? But has proven to be able to ball when he really wants to, or Draymond Green, the controversial bad boy Pistons-esque power forward who has been causing trouble both on and off the court this offseason, but you can't deny he makes your team better. He's the type of guy you love to have on your team but hate to play against. Now with dumping pool, Draymond, it's, the Warriors are going all in on Draymond. He wants over $100 million. I don't know how Golden State's going to be able to afford that, but bringing in Chris Paul, I think the best option for him, Adam, is leaving the second unit. I have a hard time seeing how him, Curry, and Clay Thompson can coexist on the same court together in the starting lineup. Lineups like that don't work very often. Just like the New York Knicks, when they had Steve Francis, Jamal Crawford, two shoot first guards, I'm missing the third, all in the same backcourt. That didn't work out. Here you have two ball-dominant players, both very crafty, both can get to the basket, both exceptionally good passers. How How is that going to work out if they are both in the starting lineup together? That also makes your team incredibly, incredibly small because you have Clay Thompson at the small forward, Andrew Wiggins at the four, and presumably Draymond Green at the five should he come back.
1: Yeah, you know, I think – actually, I saw this on – uh, on ESPN the other day, or I was listening to J.J. Reddick talk about it, I believe, and and he, when he was talking about the Warriors, he said that, you know, the Warriors are playing small ball now, but with Chris Paul, he worries because when you're playing small ball, what's, what was so special about the Warriors is how dynamic they were and how fast they were. The constant ball movement and things like that. And now, not only do you bring in a guy like Chris Paul, who's obviously going to be a first ballot Hall of Fame point guard one day, but he... It, it You know, isn't as fast as he used to be. Steph, Clay, they're not as fast as they used to be. So when you have a lineup like they did for a lot of this season, uh, you know, when Kavan Looney stepped off the floor and you don't have another five to back it up, it was Draymond down there. And literally guys one through four on that team were 6-3 through 6-8, if even. Um, and so you know you they're playing small ball and they're not blowing past defenders and then they're getting into trouble and they're not getting open shot opportunities. And when you have a guy like Chris Paul, let's say hypothetically speaking, he is in the starting lineup. We got Curry, Chris Paul, Clay at the three, Draymond at the four, and Kevon Looney. You got four guys right there who are really smart basketball players. So you're so you're leaving really Andrew smart. Wiggins out of the equation. I forgot about Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> but, yeah. but, uh, but I'm saying I'm saying, all right, let's say Andrew Wiggins at the four, Draymond at the five. That's a really small lineup. Andrew, Andrew Wiggins, the youngest guy on that in that starting five, it would be. Uh, but they would be, you know, they would be slower, they might be smarter, but they're gonna be slower, and the typical style of basketball that they would normally play might not be as efficient. Now you have a guy like Steve Kerr, he's an amazing basketball coach, he's going to Make the right adjustments, and his veteran players on that team will know the adjustments that they're going to have to make as well. But I just don't know if their fast, you know, small ball style that they've played for the over the past couple seasons is going to be as efficient as it was in the past. That being said, I agree with you when Chris Paul, uh, I agree with you with the fact that Chris Paul should be coming up, com- coming off the bench and leading the second unit. It's hard for a guy who's been so good for so long.
0: That's getting
1: paid that, that much role. money too. That's getting paid that much money, and then that's accepting that role. But I mean, you have to take the chance sometimes if you want to win a title. Melo did that uh, when he went on a little tour, joining uh, joining the Rockets, and then the Trailblazers, and the Lakers, and uh, and then Kyle Lowry comes to Miami, does the same thing. Uh, you know, his play starts to decline a little bit, gets moved to Six Man, and then in the playoffs. You know, kind of resurrected himself and was a major key contributor when Tyler Hero and Big Earl went down. He was the first guy off the bench most of the time, uh, along with Caleb Martin, and he was doing playing really good basketball. So, uh, you know, when I saw Chris Paul get traded to Washington, I honestly thought, you know, like it was going to be another mellow to the hawk situation. Like, oh, he's getting bought out. He's not playing there. I, I, and then the Clippers name was being thrown around. Oh, a Clippers reunion to end his career. That makes sense. He'll go back yeah. there. He'll play with Kawhi and Paul George. Give a last shot at a title. Uh, obviously, that doesn't happen. And he gets traded to Golden State. And I was like, whoa, that's interesting, c- considering the kind of history that they have there and already the Hall of Fame guards they have on that team. Uh, I wasn't really sure where Chris Paul fits. But if there's a place for where he fits, you got to bring him off the bench. Jordan Poole, in his own right, might drop 50 points a game this year in Washington with the team that they have, the young core that they have, but you know, Chris Paul on, on, on Golden state uh, it's not the worst thing in the world. I just think you got slower, you got smarter, but you got slower. And I don't know if the Warriors are going to be able to keep their place sustainable. If they do, Chris Paul will have to come off the bench. And I would like them. I would, I would like them to see start playing Jonathan Kuminga a little bit more. He is a really good basketball player. And if Draymond, for whatever reason, does not re-sign with the Warriors, he should get pushed into that starting four spot next to Andrew Wade.
0: Yeah, I think about some of the recent NBA champions. You mentioned veteran guys who have had starting, if not starring, roles in the past. Jeff Green with this Nuggets team, Iguodala with the Warriors a few years ago. You know, you can flash back. Guys like that make a difference. That okay. veteran stabilizing presence, not what he once was, but has a ton of wisdom, and hopefully that is Al Horford's role with the Boston Celtics next year. Now that Kristaps Porzingis is with the team, but they gave up a lot to get him. Marcus Smart. Gone. Memphis Grizzlies. That's
1: all you have to say. Two words. Marcus Smart. That's all you have to say.
0: Yeah, it is all I have to say, but (laughs) I'm still trying to put into words how I feel, but The most overarching thing among it is it definitely hurts to see the heart and soul of your team go, but it is the right move, and the Celtics are better off because of it. You take a guy like Marcus Smart, you cannot replace his intangibles, his hustle. He's like Dustin Pedroia back when he played for the Red Sox, my favorite all-time athlete growing up. He gave 110% every single second he was out on the court, and – That's what Boston fans – that's all Boston fans care about. You give your role, you will be respected. That's why so many people were so frustrated after game three of the Heat series. They kind of died because Miami ran them out of the gym. They were just so much more energetic than them. But back to mark is smart. I saw something on Twitter earlier this week. His last moment as a Celtic in game seven – he was sitting there whining to the ref like a little yeah, bit while,
1: Caleb Martin, while in mid-air, Caleb Martin was
0: pulling up for a wide-open jump shot. It's one thing to whine to the ref and in a Game 7. I think whining to the refs in total is incredibly stupid. You should just play this stinking game. Doing it in Game 7 when you're getting your butt handed to you and you're letting the guy that's been cooking you all series take a wide-open jump shot, that's unacceptable. And the other thing with is Smart, too – For as much hustle as he gives, he's not a good shooter, plain and simple. Time and time again, we saw him take way too many heat check threes when he just wasn't hot. And that's what Derek White, the Celtics' new starting point guard, God willing, does not do when he hits an off-offensive night. He doesn't keep shooting. He lets Brown, Tatum, Horford, Rob Williams carry the load offensively. And now you have a third guy to do that in Christophs Porzingis. Smart just kept shooting, and say what you want about the Derek White putback in Game Six, which we can't enjoy anymore because of how bad Game Seven was. That smart, that shot Smart took after the inbound—that's a horrible shot. You have three full seconds
1: to work with. There's no need to shoot it right off the inbound. No, right, the, bou- no. the bounce, the bounce ended in Derek White's hands perfectly. Okay? I, I know you can't, we can't. Uh, you, you were you were up cheering i was on the floor crying we so. can't we can't it's, a, it's, a, it's,
0: a, it's a, i i can't enjoy that anymore because of what happened in game seven you can enjoy that's it all
1: but that's true that's true
0: it's what's best for the team going forward the vision this offseason go get a point guard i like the kid walsh they picked out of arkansas in the second round
1: i think oh, he yeah contributor right away but he's going. To, he's going to be that guy to give Jason Tatum some rest.
0: You bring Al off. You bring Al off the bench. You bring Sam Hauser off the bench. Add a. Add a. Add a floor general to come off the bench and lead the second unit. Not necessarily a Rajon Rondo, but a Rajon Rondo type. Ricky Rubio. I don't. Is Is Ricky Rubio still around? Because that's the type yeah. of guy I want on this team. But in adding Chris, you, you don't. Uh, piece,
1: what 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 about Where's Malcolm Brogdon in this equation?
0: I forgot about Malcolm Brogdon, dude. If, no,
1: if, he's, Malcolm, if he's healthy, if he's healthy, I think Malcolm Brogdon has been nothing but consistent, and he has been one of the most underrated players in the league since he came in. He was, he in. was, he, he was he terrible was,
0: in the he was terrible in the Heat series. Yeah, yes, but
1: yeah. he got injured. But he won Rookie of the Year. He when he first came in with Milwaukee, they trade him the next season, which I was I was like, whoa. They trade him to Indiana. Has an all-star level season there, a couple all-star seasons there as their starting point guard. Uh, played really, really well. Averaged twenty points a game. Uh, then gets traded to Boston, comes in, and you expect that you expect him to be a, an immediate contributor. And for me, next year, if he's healthy, I think he should be in the starting lineup and bring Derek White off the bench because Derek White's biggest threat is the energy that he brings with that second unit, and we saw so you know, especially wants in the, me to, the
0: thing that has me wanting White to start is that. He's much better defensively than Brogdon, and that's what you're losing with Smart going, that defense. White is not much of a defensive downgrade from Smart, if at all. He was just on the all-defensive team. So, yep. And, I mean, yeah, because of Brogdon's injury concern, I think if you bring in a guard to come off the bench, then you're looking pretty because now you have three guys that can go out and get you 20-plus a game. But the only thing that worries me about this team this has injury risk written all over it. As dominant as Chris Stapps is at seven foot three, he can stretch the floor. He's a serious threat to get hurt. As is Malcolm Brogdon. As is Al Horford at his age. Yeah. Granted, granted. Also, I hope Grant Williams gets on a plane at Logan Airport. And
1: <laughs> I know right when he started, you know, non-Jimmy, uh, you said he's gone this offseason. He's got to go. He's got to go.
0: He's got to go. But... That you're in win now mode, you have to be. Five Eastern Conference Finals appearances in the past seven seasons, and you don't have a ring to show for it. That's that's not acceptable.
1: Yeah, no, I totally get it. Um, you know, I, I think Chris Bo- Christoph Porzingis' year in Washington this season. Um, he, had was a career, severely, he had a career uh, year. It was severely underrated because Bradley Beal was injured for most of the year, and he's they, playing for.
0: They, 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 the biggest example of a waste of a franchise
1: in the NBA. They, they, they were at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. Um, but his, him and Kyle Kuzma together really complemented each other. They played really well. And you're going gonna to pair him now with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Not only will be will he be able to stretch the floor as a seven-foot big who can shoot, but he's going to be able to really make – Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum's lives much easier, uh, just from an offensive standpoint. And uh, and also everyone's gonna be scared of a seven-foot guy in the paint. So yeah. uh, you know, when you're on defense. But Christoph Spring has had a had a really solid year this year in Washington and and kind of just went to waste. Both him and Kyle Kuzma both played really, really, really well. Um and neither of those guys are gonna be returning there. However, I think um, you know. Kristaps Porzingis in Washington, injury risk – sorry, uh, in Boston, injury risk is big for sure. But if he's healthy and on the floor, that is one of the best additions that a team will make this whole offseason. And one of the best that a team has made in a while because you're adding him to a group that has already – that has already played together that has already, that already has known they can make that run to an NBA finals or to an Eastern conference finals. And now you add a guy, he hasn't shown anything in the playoffs, but that's because he hasn't had the opportunity to the teams had he, that he's been on have sucked. um, and, 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 you know, he, unfortunately for him, his upside and potential he had coming into the league um, where you projected him to be the star player, the best player on a team didn't p- particularly pan out that way. But uh he's that's is, what happens when you get drafted by the next though. He, he cannot be the lead guy on a team. And I think no. the spot for him in Boston as the three, you know, right behind Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown is going to be perfect for him, and he's going to be a really nice addition. Not when you play against Miami, because Miami's short as hell. But uh so the rebounding is gonna be an issue. But uh but overall, you know, he's gonna be a bit a, a really good piece for that team. As for Marcus Smart leaving um you know that's uh i that was a trick one for even me to wrap my head around i remember you know when it was 1 a.m 2 a.m when that trade came out getting ready to go to bed and check my phone and the phone's blowing up I'm like what's going on The I, I looked at my phone i think the deal the deal's back on with marcus smart and I, my jaw dropped i was like wait a second the, the deal just fell apart they're, and now they they, get, they were gonna give a uh, injury injury prone malcolm brogdon now they're gonna give away marcus smart the are hard and soul of the team i was I, you know that was kind of crazy to me and um you know Marcus Smart obviously longest-tenured player on that Celtics team and uh you know just always giving it his all out there he he makes some really tough shots sometimes and he always gives his all on the defensive side now he goes to the to the Grizzlies where if there was a place for him to be a culture fit for him to be yeah. it would totally makes sense that it's the Grizzlies he's going to be able to play alongside Ja but also He's going into that system where Ja is going to be out the first 25 games. He's going to be able to play that point guard position and ease into his role there and then play alongside a guy who is an up-and-coming face of the league in John Moran when he is doing the right things on and off the court. Yeah, I was about to uh, say, Marcus Smart also seems like a guy that could help John Moran get in the right headspace. He, he is such a, you know, for all the crap that everyone gives Marcus Smart, including myself... Uh, for some of the silly antics he does on the floor. Um, you know, he has a very high basketball IQ. That's why he does some of the stupid things that he does on the court, but he's doing them because at some points he gets those calls of the right things to do. Uh, you know, he's a very smart basketball player, and he seems like a guy that everyone in Boston respected, and all the players, the coaches, the front office, and all the fans. And Memphis is going to love having him there, uh, and he's – Going to bring the same type of fire that Dylan Brooks. He's a better Dylan Brooks. You know what I mean? Like he's a better. He's a smaller, but he's a better Dylan Brooks. And uh, and Marcus Smart is going to make an impact for that team. The thing that I I worry about uh from a Boston standpoint is that I think the impact of Marcus Smart leaving could be more impactful than the impact that Ken that Kristaps Porzingis can make this season. Right. I You know, Marcus Smart leaving could take a toll on that Celtics team just because they're different and they're going to have to get used to playing without a guy they've played with for a long time and that they're close with. And, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, the scheme and the coaching and the preparation can throw all that out the window and things will go back to normal and you'll take in for Porzingis and run with it and it, you'll the Celtics would be perfectly fine. But it could very much well be... You know, they got rid of, the Grizzlies got rid of Dylan Brooks. They got that disaster out of the door. And now you bring in Marcus Smart, who's going to help that team and be the vet for that team and really turn them into the, you know, the championship contender, even though they, you know, had a good run last year. Jaw was out for quite a bit. They're going to bring in Marcus Smart, and the Celtics could end up regretting letting him go.
0: Only time will tell with that. But let's focus for the last 15 minutes or so on the nba draft we'll talk about damian lillard at the very end but i have two draft things i want to discuss the first of which is victor Wembanyama. dude's an athletic freak of nature seven foot five but plays like a point guard can shoot the three-point shot there there's a reason he is the most hyped up draft prospect since lebron james he's he's better he's more hyped up than what zion was well i'll talk about him in a little bit but He is also like Zion in that he's ridiculously oversized. It's kind of the opposite of Zion because Wimbanyana is seven foot five and skinny, whereas Zion's a little bigger for his six foot seven frame. That has me worried about his durability. Is a play style like Wimbanyana's sustainable in the NBA for a 15 year career? He's in the perfect place to do it. San Antonio has drafted two top-tier big men that have gone on to become two of the best to ever play the game and David Robinson and Tim Duncan, none of them were as... Neither of them, I should say, were as hyped as Wimanyana. Neither of them have, have the sky-high potential that Wimanyana has. We are looking at a potential generational talent if everything falls into place. But will everything fall into place is the question because his size, it's very... Eye opening, but it's also very concerning.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, you know, the lengthiness of his build, uh, you know, when you're looking at it from an injury concern, I mean, Trader Holmgren played against LeBron once in an open gym, got his foot stepped on, and he was out the whole year. So, uh, you know, you don't want to see a similar thing happen to a guy like Victor Weberdama, but, uh, uh, you know, I think the thing that helped him a lot and prepared him is that especially when you grow up playing in Europe. I mean, we saw it with Luka Doncic. He started playing professional basketball when he was 13 for Real Madrid and, and the Slovenia national team and things like that. So for Victor Wembanyama, who, you know, grew up playing overseas, uh, playing against professionals, uh, playing for you know, Metropolis 92, uh, you know, the team he was playing for in France. Um he was playing with NBA guys, former NBA guys, guys who are pros over there. Um, and getting some real work, and obviously, it might not be the same talent that you're gonna be going against in the NBA, but uh he's ready for it, I think. Uh someone described him as Steph Curry if he was seven five, and that's a scary thought to think about. Um, you know, it's I, I was again, I was watching FS1 or you know, on the other day and they said the, the scariest thing about what Victor Wembanyama is, isn't the dunks. Like people act like, oh, the dunks, his dunks are crazy. They were like, no, he's seven five. He should be able to jump over everybody and dunk. The scariest part about him is his playmaking. You know, he can right. go up and get a board. He can make a layup. He can make a dunk. But that is a guy who, if people really say what he is, and the generational talent really does, you know, live up to its expectations. And he's like a Steph Curry or a Kevin Durant that is 7'5". He could potentially end up being one of the best players to ever play the game. And I'm not one to speculate like that. I don't really like to say that. We have no idea what his future is going to be. People thought Porzingis was was Webanyama before Webanyama, right? Um, yeah. So we don't know what's, how his career is going to pan out. But like you said, he's in the perfect place to do it. What happened when... The Spurs drafted Tim Duncan in 1997. Two years later, they win an NBA title. Uh, they draft Victor Wembanyama in 2023. They have a young core with that team. Maybe they bring in a vet next year or something. Maybe they have another high draft pick next year because Wembanyama might not play the whole year and they might be in the middle of the pack or yeah. get another high, another I was high draft pick. about
0: and- San Antonio too, Adam, is that they have a boatload of cap space in front of them. I know this year's free agent class isn't quite what others have been, but say you bring in a guy like Fred Van Vliet, who can be a very good number two. He was an excellent number three on the Raptors championship team a few years ago. You bring a guy like him in, that's another guy that can get you 20 in his sleep.
1: Yeah, the Spurs, uh, Yeah, where I was getting at is the Spurs haven't gone this long in the past 20 plus years since, since we've been hour. born like they haven't won a playoff series since 2017 like that is a long time for san antonio and they are a team that was as a week when while we were growing up was always in the mix to compete for a national championship and i honestly believe it won't be too long until they're back in that mm-hmm. spot obviously greg popovich is a hall of fame basketball coach i have a feeling like you said I don't know if it's Fred Van Fleet. I don't know who it's going to be, but I could totally see them bringing in a piece, pairing them with Victor Webinyama and drafting another guy next year that can compliment him and continue to make a run, get back into the playoffs. I don't know when it's going to be, but I cannot see it being seven, nine, 10 no. years down the line. Yeah. It's the going to be. Within the next like to
0: me are kind of like the Patriots in that it's been a few years for them. And, both teams I feel like are one legitimate big piece away from being able to compete again. And for the Spurs, regardless of whether or not it's Van Vliet for the Patriots, when they sign DeAndre Hopkins, they could potentially compete with the best of the best in the AFC East. So
1: Yeah. And when the Dolphins have get signed Alvin Cook, will already be like the Dolphins aren't signed Alvin Cook.
0: The Dolphins aren't <laughs> <Alvin> Cook. <laughs> he wants to. He wants to. So, you know what? Take him. With two as your quarterback, he ain't getting you anywhere. Hey, hey, hey. All right. But the other thing regarding the draft, Brendan Miller went number two over Scoot Henderson because Adam, we've been hearing for months on end about how if this were any other draft class, Scoot Henderson would be the clear cut number one pick, but the Charlotte Hornets pull off a stunner and pick Miller number two, which led to a chorus of boos at their draft party at whatever their arena is called. Adam, Charlotte fans have every right to be skeptical with their draft picks because Michael kidd gilchrist Frank Kaminsky, among others, have been complete flops. And now you're Cody taking – Zeller. Sorry? Cody Zeller. Cody Zeller, too. Now you're taking a flyer on Brandon Miller, who has had some off-court issues in addition to not being as raw talented as Scoot Henderson is. He's a dynamic scorer. You cannot not deny that, but – A buddy of mine in Houston compared him to Jabari Smith, the Rockets' number three overall pick last year, calling it an overrated offensive skill set. I think that Miller's upside is really high, but I also think he's wildly overrated because, Adam, this is a pick that could flop just like that because Scoot Henderson is the better prospect, and I think Portland will deal will deal with Portland to close the show. Scoot Portland got better. Instantaneously with Scoot Henderson, I don't know if I can see the combination of Lamelo Ball and Brandon Miller leading Charlotte to the promised land. And by promised land for them, it's the playoffs.
1: Yeah, well, you know what, I I don't disagree with you that Scoot Henderson is the, is the better prospect, um, and and in any of the drafts really could have been the number one overall pick. But I think the thing that kind of makes things easier for me to wrap my head around about Brandon Miller going number two are the two other picks that Charlotte had him draft. Nick Smith Jr. from Arkansas and Amari Bailey from UCLA. Those are two really, really smart you know, one-two guards who can complement LaMelo, play alongside him. Nick Smith Jr. and Brandon Miller used to play, I don't remember if it was high school or AAU together, but they played back in the day before college. Um, they are longtime friends. And that chemistry that they already have, that they can bring Lamello in. Uh, we, if Miles Bridges returns, if when Gordon, Gordon Hayward's there, they already have a vet. They have the
0: Doc uh, Gordon Hayward was on the Hornets. Good goodness,
1: they, but they have some pieces there. Uh, Mark Williams to center, who you know stepped up big down the stretch last year when they were trying to push for a playing spot. Um, obviously, it didn't happen, but. Uh, you know, they I, I really was a fan of their draft overall, of what they did. Um, You know, I think if you were to draft Scoot Henderson, it wouldn't have made any sense to draft Nick Smith Jr. Um, no, definitely but not. I think but I think those two together makes a lot more sense than just drafting Scoot and then potentially whoever the other person that they drafted would have been later in the first round. Um, So I do really like. Uh, there are a few picks that they made in the draft. Charlotte, um, I think all of them will be on the roster uh, for next season, and and you know Brandon Miller and Nick Smith Jr. will be able to get some playing time and uh and and make an impact. Steve Clifford, who's the coach of the Hornets, he was he used to be the coach of the Hornets, then he left for a few seasons, then returned last year. He is you know known for bringing in young players and developing them and giving them chances to to thrive. Uh, and I think he will do just that uh, next season. Uh, Scoot Henderson and LaMelo would have been, you know, one of the best youngest backcourts in the league. Um, but now you look at Portland. A risky one. It would have been a risky one, though. Would have been a risky one. But now you look at Portland with Scoot Henderson. And that room, minus Damian Millard, has Shannon Sharp, um, uh, Scoot Henderson, Anthony Simons. They drafted Ryan Rupert from France, who's a sixth 8 you know, guard forward. Um, they have a lot of guys in that locker room who can play in the backcourt. And when you look at that team with Scoot Henderson now, it doesn't make any sense for me for them to keep Damian Lillard, and I'm not just saying that as a Heat fan. But instantly, when I saw Brandon Miller go to the Hornets, my first thought, more than anything else, was Damian Lillard is gone from Portland.
0: That's the first thing that went into my head, too, when the Blazers drafted Scoot and kept him. What happens to Damian Lillard? And that feels like the perfect topic to close this show, because I know it's one you're passionate about, because the Heat our players. (laughs) But Scoot and Damian Lillard would be in incredibly fun backcourt to watch but my question is how long If because going into the season the Blazers will have one of Scoot Anderson or Damian Lillard it would not surprise me at all to see Scoot get dealt for Paul George or Zion to name a few stars that might be on the move or the much more mind-blowing option is you part ways with Lillard and build around Scoot That'd be crazy because, I mean, Portland has Amphrey Simons, who our friend Colin Bach is quite high on, among others. But other than that, you don't really see a lot of building blocks with this team. So an upheaval is coming through that organization this summer. The question is, how big of an upheaval is it? And we don't know the answer to that question, Adam. But I think one of the two will get dealt Within the next few weeks, who I don't know. Dame has not made a trade, an official public trade demand yet. Even though he said he doesn't want to be centered around this youth movement, we don't know. I just don't know. But
1: it, it seems a lot we, like Kevin Gar, Kevin Garnett talked about how this Dame situation seems a lot like him when he was in Minnesota. Yeah, where it yeah. was like where it was like I loved the people, I was loyal to the city who drafted me. I didn't really want to leave, but it was very clear that the front office. And the coaching staff wanted to do something different and weren't playing for a championship right moving now. Moving on and at that, I, moving on then was what was best for Kevin Garnett's career. Moving on might not. And I, I wanted to leave to compete for a title, right? Right, exactly. Moving so, on so it could be, a might be what's situation. best for
0: Damian Lillard's career. I think that is a almost perfect comparison.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I agree, and I think, um, you know. What better place to do that? Uh, and a place like Miami, where you know, they you know, obviously, they had a couple guys injured in this playoff run, but it was kind of a magical playoff run as an eight seed to the NBA Finals. And I mean, who knows if they would have been at full strength, what would have happened if Jimmy doesn't get his ankle rolled against oh, the Knicks in that series? Oh, I'm just saying, I'm just if saying, Adam doesn't I'm, get I'm, his ankle rolled I'm on ben, saying, what happens in that game. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, but. Uh, but they they could be, you know, one piece away.
0: Yeah, thing it, Miami has it, it, would them, it would be cool to see. Another thing Miami has going for them is I haven't really heard of any other big time suitors for Damian Lillard. I know Boston's name has been thrown around, but they'd have to give up Jalen Brown to do it, which Nets, uh, which the, I would the, absolutely not do.
1: The Nets would be another one. Just because the Nets. Would be, so the Nets don't because because the, their are the, what well, him and M- Mikael Bridges are tight, and they also have like a 11- left. Okay, I've been first round picks. Their the draft, their so could help. That's, that's something. But other than
0: other than those two, I mean, no one is really coming to the top of my head. If you want to be really bold, uh, Lillard for Zion swap. Do the Clippers potentially pull something together, or does OKC pull a bunch of its picks to pair him with Shea Gildas Alexander? That's intriguing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So a lot could happen with Damian Lillard. I hope he stays. I hope he stays in part because I don't want the Heat to get stronger, in part because he's just been so stinking loyal to that organization. Well, you,
1: well, well the Celtics, you could argue, got a little bit stronger. They did. Because they got Chris Dobbs, or a little weaker because they lost Marcus Smart. But I'm going to go on the stronger end and say that. Even though there's a lot of d- downside to losing Marcus Smart, they got stronger. I don't
0: want the competition to get stronger, though. That's true. That's true. Hey, nope.
1: well, at least we can compromise that we don't want the Bucs or Knicks to get stronger, right? Dame on the Bucks
0: would be terrible. <laughs> Knicks would be even worse.
1: Yes, I know.
0: But uh, I don't see a world where the Knicks get him because they seem to be in love with Jalen Brunson. He had a really good season this past year. But the Knicks fans talk about him like he's this all-NBA point guard. No, he's an all-star level point guard. He's not an all-NBA level point guard. Yeah.
1: Although he did have an excellent year and really showed up against the heat of the playoffs, so props to him. But yeah, Dame could be on the move. I do expect, you know, I I, I said this to you know my clo- my close circle of Miami Heat friends down here uh, when we we're talking about Dame, and um, you know a report came out like a couple days ago, uh, yesterday after the draft, um, that said Damian Lord is going is going to take the week heading into free agency before he decides. He's really taking his time to think about this and decide what he wants to do for his future. That's, that, that, that's and, fair. That's fair. And I and I said this a few weeks ago to my friends. I wish I had the text receipts of it, but I said, guys, honestly, if right now the Blazers are shutting down calls for Dame, and they want to try and keep him to stay, it's really going to come down to whether they draft Scoot Henderson or not. And if they do, I think we could. They he they might honestly wait and see what the Blazers are going to do. In that first week of free agency, if they can sign and trade anybody, if they could just sign somebody—a big name—in free in free agency that they can play alongside him, if they and and we know from experience of watching at the trade deadline and watching that first day of free agency on June thirtieth, all the biggest players go that first day. Deals yeah, I- are made deals are made, players are signed and traded or signed right away. And the, if the Blazers do the not 6 make a move,
0: official start is a joke. There's tampering a
1: joke. 100%. And if a, and if the Blazers do not make a move, if we do not get an alert on our phones that the Blazers made a move hours within the the free agency deadline officially starts, Damian Lillard is going to be on the move within the week.
0: Without question. Without question.
1: However, Scoot Henderson is really good, and he'll be a star in Portland in his own right, but I would like Dame on the Miami Heat. <laughs> I'm sure you would.
0: Well, we're back. It only took six months. We hope to keep this more consistent over the next few weeks, but man, Adam, it's been good to have you as the great return, and <laughs> let's, uh, let's hope Dame Lillard is
1: not a Miami Heat anytime soon. I I disagree with you, but thanks for having me on, LG. I appreciate it.
0: Yes, sir. With Adam Avon, I'm William Griffin. Follow us on Instagram at Full Court Press Podcast and on Twitter at Full CP Podcast. That's F-U-L-L-C-P Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.